Hi, I'm Claire Milligan, Marketing Operations Manager at our Biofarm Roan, and welcome to another edition of our Roan Infobytes podcast series. Today, we're going to be talking about the analysis of mycotoxins in cannabis. And again, I'm joined by one of our international colleagues, Gabe Faubert, who is the Regional Sales Manager for the Midwest, US and Eastern Canada. Okay, well, welcome to another edition of the Roan Infobytes. This month, we are joined by Gabe. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you're from our Biofarm Inc. I am. I'm from our Biofarm Inc., the U.S. Sub- subsidiary. Yep. Uh, been with the company for over 21 years now. Scary how time flies, isn't it? <laughs> yes. You, about the same time for you, I <laughs> yeah, believe. Yeah, it is. So yeah, over 40 years experience, just over for between us. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're only in our mid-20s. It's yeah. So, well, that's so it. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, before we get started... Uh, I'd like to ask all our guests a quick question. So really, I would like to ask you to share a food story with us. So it can be about a great food that you've tasted, dish through when you've been traveling, a bad dish, or perhaps just a funny story. All right. Uh, well, I, I have one that's a funny story. It's not directly mine, but is related to this particular podcast. Okay. Since this is a cannabis-related podcast, a story from some friends of mine who work in a hospital and uh, had a lady come in and uh, she had some stroke-like symptoms, couldn't talk, a lot of things like that, and uh, did a lot of testing, couldn't figure out what's going on. Next day, she woke up and was largely fine. Doctor talked to her and figured out that uh, she'd had a cannabis brownie. Okay. <laughs> to the tune of, I think, 200 milligrams, which is a really heavy dose. And uh, that would explain why she wasn't feeling so well and felt well the next day. Okay. So figured it was food and cannabis wrapped into one. Yeah, sure. Managed to walk out the hospital that day, did she? She did, actually, yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Feeling rather embarrassed or? I, I think so. <laughs> I think it was a learning uh, lesson for her to uh, read packaging a little more carefully. Yeah, maybe not eat the full brownie the next time. Perhaps not. Perhaps not. <laughs> Yeah, so as you say, you're, we're talking about uh, the cannabis industry today. I know we've been out in the US, Canada, quite a few times over the last year or so. As I say, I was quite surprised the last time I was there, some of the changes that have come in. now that Happen every few months, there seems to be some new change. Yeah, I mean, going through Canada and the airports, you've got the bins to drop off any samples that you might have before flying. And any other changes that you've seen coming in? Well, I mean, you know, Canada was the first country, or well, at least near, near me in North America, yep. to, to legalize. Um, so they were, they were kind of the trendsetters. In the U.S., it's not federally legal, but states can uh, decriminalize or, or have medical cannabis or, or make it recreational. And it seems like every election cycle or, or even in between, there are states that are making it recreational. And I should have looked the stat up before here, before I got here, but we're probably looking at a, a quarter or so of the states, if not more, um, that are that are recreational now. Okay. And uh, I know this last election cycle, there were another two or three that made it recreational. So yeah, it's it's becoming quite a thing, and uh, uh, there's talk of it becoming federally legal sometime in the in the semi near future. Okay. Yeah. So as you see, constantly changing. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And what about? Um, Customers in the cannabis industry, are you seeing more requests from that side? Absolutely, yeah. As, as uh, 
it, it usually starts with the states that are medical because the state boards will want to contact us for testing uh, recommendations. Um, but, but as it becomes recreational, the testing is typically done by uh, licensed laboratories. And so those licensed laboratories will, will reach out to us for, again, testing recommendations and methods. Yep. Yeah, and it's something we're seeing worldwide as well. It's not just, I don't think, the US and Canada. Um, you know, countries like Spain, Macedonia, Colombia, for example, you know, where le legislation has changed, we are seeing more and more, more interest. Amsterdam, perhaps? Do you know, actually, as a country, we've not seen many requests from, to be honest. It's the one you would expect. Absolutely. But it's the one we haven't really seen many requests for. So there you go. They've been doing it the longest. They're, they're, they're used to it. By yeah, now. possibly all set up and ready. <laughs> so yeah, obviously, the requests are coming for mycotoxin analysis, mostly, yes. aren't they? Can you tell us a bit about mycotoxins, why people should be analyzing for these? Absolutely. Uh, so mycotoxins, for, for those who are unaware, are... Uh, mold metabolites. So you have a mold uh, that gets in a, a food product, or in this case, a plant, yep. and that mold uh, will get stressed and will secrete this toxin that, that has regulatory limits depending on the country you're in and depending on the toxin. Uh, and they're obviously harmful to our health. So um, that legislation will apply also to cannabis flour and cannabis food products. And also there's all the mycotoxin regulations for other food stuff. So cocoa, there's, you know, cereals. Oh, absolutely. Grains. So, yeah. 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 Spices, grains. I mean, it's, it's huge in the, in the States for grain testing yeah. as well. Yeah. So obviously now with these, you know, cannabis products, you've got brownies, you've got cookies. There's all sorts of potential contamination there for mycotoxins. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. The entire process. Yeah. So increased awareness, if you like, increased testing requirements. Indeed. So what's the ways that you can analyze for mycotoxins? Well, in, in our world, there are a variety of technologies that you can uh, test for mycotoxins. You can use uh, rapid test, uh, lateral flow, which is like a pregnancy test. Yep. You can do ELISA testing, which is micro welds, uh, chemistry, uh, like a little bench chemistry, essentially. Uh, and then there's immuno affinity columns, which is what applies most to the cannabis industry, which is where you would, uh, you know, clean up a, a sample extract to make it appropriate to, to run to a, a you know, a, a HPLC or LCMS, yeah. a high level diagnostic machine. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the benefits, isn't it, of immunoaffinity cleanup. It can remove all of the rubbish, all of the sample matrix. So, yeah, if you've got cannabis resin, which is very pigmented, you've got your cookies, which have got all sorts of sugars, sure. proteins, carbohydrates, whole range of things there. Yes. It removes that, making it nice and easy to Yeah, absolutely. To the resin, resin, I would say, is probably the uh, probably one of the more difficult things of the plant material. Yeah. Uh, is it, it can gum everything up. Yeah. including the machine if, yeah, you're not, exactly. if you're not careful on how you clean that sample up. Yeah. And what kind of mycotoxins are people looking for in the cannabis and cannabis products? Typically uh, looking for aflatoxin and ochratoxin uh, is what we run into most in, in North America, yeah. um, you know, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, aflatoxin is, is probably the most established as far as regulatory limits, uh, known carcinogen. So it's a good one to be testing yep. for. Uh, and ochratoxin, you know, is also a, not not a great mycotoxin to be 
eating or inhaling. Yep. So uh, so that that makes a lot of sense there too. Do you are you seeing any other toxins in in your worldwide like scope? Like you're saying most people are interested in the aflaocra, but I have heard reports that some people, I think um, some Canada Canadian sites were interested in analyzing for deoxin and balanol, mm. but we've not actually come across that. It's been chat, I think up till now. But certainly. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I we've had a couple requests of that, but if the regulatory uh, I guess papers are not are not written to test for those, and um, yeah. then they're not necessarily going to look for them. But yes, I mean, you know, with with certain mycotoxins being more prone to the north versus the south, it would make sense that Canada sh- should probably be looking more for Don and uh, and and xerelinone perhaps more so than than ochratoxin and, and aflatoxin, but. That's the way the regulation's yeah. written. That's what you test for. Still, I suppose, a, a new market, isn't it? People are still um, learning and understanding about the mycotoxins and then matrix. Absolutely. I mean, when you've been working with labs, do you know whether they've been finding mycotoxins in the cannabis? That's a good question. Um, largely no. Um, and I think the reason for that are most of the, a lot of, a lot of the cannabis grown um, I would say, especially in Canada, um, tends to be in in tightly controlled environments, and so you just don't have the um, the contamination risk from it being grown outside as much for that mold to get in to then get stressed to then make the toxin. Yeah. So, and I would say the states as well, by and large, they're they're inside uh, grow houses, if you will. They're not necessarily out in the open. So. Um, Generally speaking, in my experience, I've not seen a lot of positives, but yep. certainly they, you know, they, they do exist. Yeah. Again, I'm not aware of many positives. Um, there is one recent publication, which was from a lab in Luxembourg. They were actually looking at the mycotoxin content in seized cannabis. So illegal. Yeah, um, sure, sure. Um, but they did actually find there wasn't so much aflatoxin, but I believe they found ochratoxin in some of the samples, quite a large percentage actually, which ranged up to about 16 ppb. So relatively high contamination. So um, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Need to do a bit more research, a bit more analysis. Do they think that was grown nearby or was that grown? They have no idea of the origin. It states that in the publication. Obviously it was illegally seized. Um, So yeah, they don't have any information at all. So yeah, perhaps there's scope there for other publications in future in that area. Sure. And, and that's, you know, with, with these states that have made it recreational, they tend to um, carve out a part of the legislation to allow homegrown, you know, for personal use. Um, so I would say there there's probably a larger risk with that that people probably don't even know exists if they're growing it themselves outside and, and don't even realize that it is a risk. Yeah. Yeah. To test for it. So. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we're a, a manufacturer of test kits for mycotoxin. But who do you think could be interested in testing? It's not going to be your home growers, as you sort of said. Who do you think? Well, you know, it would be the laboratories, yep. whether it's the state labs that are, that are, uh, you know, overseeing all of it or maybe doing the medical part of it. Um or, or the commercial labs that have been licensed to do it, yeah. those would be the labs that would be most interested in utilizing cleanups, cleanup tests, or cleanup yep. columns for, for their high-level analysis or even the more rapid uh, ELISA test. Yeah. 
So there are fully automated systems available, which you can make um, analysis much easier. So um, working with an immunoaffinity column or immunoaffinity cartridge. What do you think the benefits of being able to automate sample cleanup are? Benefits obviously are are the effort needed to to get it onto the system, less uh, you know human interaction to get it to that point. Uh, if you are doing a lot of samples, certainly your throughput's higher. Yep. So there's a lot of cost and time advantage uh, to that. So states like California, where they their legislation tends to be written, I believe it is written to to test not only the raw flour product, but also finished goods. Okay. So your food products or your beverages that contain it, those also need to be tested. Whereas other states just let you test the flour that goes into the food product. Okay. So it's a relatively new area. Um, and I know AOAC have a working group which is looking at the cannabis side. So it's called CASP, the Cannabis Analytical Science Programme. And they are looking at developing official methods for labs. So not only have they been looking at mycotoxins, they're looking at microbiological methods, pesticides, and so on. What do you think the importance of working with official methods means to a lab? Well, for any laboratory, especially the one that's ISO certified, it just makes their life easier to implement a method if it's yep. been validated. Um, so there's, there's a... Uh, again, a time benefit to adopting a method that has been vetted by a group such as AOAC yep. instead of doing their own large validation. Yeah. Is there anything else, anything that you, any other advantages yeah, you I see? Yeah, I think, again, like that, customers would have added confidence. They know the method works. It's been stringently validated. It meets strict cri criteria. So, yeah, being able to pick that up and go in the lab, you've got the confidence, I think, is the, the main thing. Certainly. Um, rather than having to start from scratch and develop your own methods, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, most labs just don't have the time for that. They no. certainly don't. So I think we've covered the cannabis industry in quite a quick run through there. Anything else to, to add? Well, uh, you know, I touched on that, you know, in the States that we, we see it largely, or we, we anticipate it being federally legalized sometime, let's say in the next five years. Yeah. So at that point, um, there will hopefully be some harmonization of, of methods yep. or, or recommended methods, if you will, um, because right now, you know, it's a little bit of the Wild West. So hopefully for what we do, we can be a part of validating those methods and offering them to the industry. So when it yep. is federally legal uh, in the states that we can be uh, a one-stop shop to, to get these labs set up. Yeah. And as you say, it's been an area we've been working on. You know, we've been working with some industry leaders. We've been looking at new methods. We've been publishing our results because really we want to help labs get set up as quickly as possible. Certainly. At the end of the day. And being transparent with what we've done helps yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Gabe. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you.